As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Very spooky. You know what I realized? Hi. We what? said that we were going to wear our pajamas. Oh, oops. <laughs> And I think I even said, like, we're going to forget. Um, so, uh, you know, follow through. It's not even follow through. It's forgetfulness. It is forgetfulness. That's really why we don't do half the things we have ideas for. Okay, but let's actually. Let's put it in the calendar. I was just going to we'll say, remember. let's put it in the calendar for next week when we record our encounters, we should wear our pajamas because that feels like very slumber party telling ghost stories. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. But if we if we have it in the calendar, we won't forget. I hope I don't have to do anything else after we record because I just want to stay in my PJs all day then. Yes. Okay. In all caps, I'm putting wear pajamas only Perfect. for this event. Okay. Pajama day. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. And I Hello. am Sabrina. And uh, today's motto is be happy. Be happy in Salem, Massachusetts. <laughs> Your not so subtle way of saying, hey, move here, Sabrina. I I can't even be subtle anymore. I directly ask you all the time. So <gasps> yeah, one day, one day, one day. Although the cold. I really do believe you, you won't be in LA for the rest of your life. No, I agree. I don't want to be in LA for the rest of my life. As much as I love having all my friends here and I think my career is here. I don't want to raise kids here forever. Mm -hmm. 
And also, let me say that there has been, there's always something filming in Massachusetts. So depending on what sort of writing you're doing, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to be sometimes in California, but on site, on location in Massachusetts. I mean, this is why we just need to sell a bunch of TV show ideas. Easy, right? Yes. So we'll just sell all of our things and make our own careers in the industry. And then I could be anywhere. Mm-hmm. Let's take over. Easier said than done, right? No, you know what? Manifest it. Manifest it. Easy peasy. <laughs> <laughs> Easy piece of lemon squeezy. Perfect. Perfect. You'll be here before I know it. By the end of the year, Sabrina will live here. <laughs> it's all going to happen that quickly. You can tell me what to manifest. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. The force is strong with this one. Wow, I feel honored. Um, my force is strong. It's uh, it's growing. My force. I'm trying. It's growing. I'm growing. We're all growing. Well, I have a story to tell you. Okay, please. And it is not my story, <laughs> but a story that belongs to Alicia, and it's called Back Room Episode. Oh, hi, Corinne and Sabrina. My name is Alicia. I'm a newish listener, brought over from Morbid. Shout out to Ash and Elena for getting me into your show. Well, hey, welcome, Alicia. I started this email back in November, but apparently forgot to finish it. There are multiple occurrences I listed here, but I wanted to share this with you. First, you both are awesome. I was mostly absorbing all the episodes and then listening to the Back Rooms episode, I was a wee bit spooked and knew I needed to write in. Before I share my spooky bit that connects with Back Rooms experience, however, I wanted to share some information I thought might be helpful to Corinne. Corinne's remembrance of a smell in her dreams that she smelled in real life makes me think that she has clear olfactants or clairalliance. I can't read. (laughs) Psychic smelling. Which is a thing. Yeah. Psychic smelling. That makes sense. I mean, I guess I was I was always thinking about psychic smelling as in like, you know, when you smell the perfume of someone in your room, but I never really thought about it in dreams. Still accounting as psychic smelling. Haven't you encountered it in real life too? Well, in real life, I smelled a perfume that I often smell in my dreams. Yes. So yeah, it's in your waking life and your sleeping yes. life. Mm-hmm. It's all new. It's all it's consuming your senses. Okay. It is. <laughs> and then Alicia goes, ADHD side note. I think I might have this gift of clear audience, so clear hearing. Yeah. In my current apartment, I occasionally smell a musk-like woman's perfume, and it's generally calming. I'm not really bothered by it. One time during a stressful situation, that smell just came to me, and I felt like I was able to calm down. Oh. It could be family, but I don't sense that I know them. A Past witchy life? teacher of mine thinks that, oh, like a part of their own soul coming or like traveling, Or like someone connected to them. Like a traveling soul, yeah. A traveling soul. Mm-hmm. Or maybe just like a really lovely, kind person a who guide? lived there That's true. in the past. Yeah. A witchy teacher of mine thinks that no spirits should be in your house without your permission. <laughs> but as I live in an apartment complex, I figure it could be a previous renter. To be safe, I do have some protections up, but I wonder what you ladies think of this experience. I also want to know with the Claire audience about this witchy teacher. Who is it? And what is it? Right. Yes. And what is her contact information? Yeah. <laughs> How do we get one? Because we need some. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With the Claire audience, I have sometimes woken up to knocks, but no one was there at my door or my boyfriend didn't hear the knocks. I think that these skills, if I have them, are probably novice level at best as I haven't heard anyone speak to me. At least I don't think so. I don't remember. No visual apparitions have come to me either, but I feel like I have some supernatural connection, despite the fact that I don't think I have the ability to see spirits unless I'm seeing them in dreams. I have extremely vivid dreams, and sometimes I feel like I'm interacting with people in the dreams in a way that feels real. I, I this get reminds that. me so much of you, yeah, Sabrina. Yeah, I was going to say, 
feel very uh, similar to this. Mm -hmm. Part of me wants to learn more, but then other times it terrifies me to try to enhance this gift through practice. What if these spirits come and they don't leave? Yeah. Anyway, long intro here, but in reference to your back room episode, I had all the chills throughout the episode. And partway through, I remembered a childhood dream that reminds me of the back room lore, but it doesn't fit all the criteria that Corinne had mentioned. I used to have a recurring dream that I was in an endless red velvet hallway with lights on the ceiling, but no windows or doors, and I couldn't escape no matter how far I went. Even the ceiling was velvet. Ugh. No decorations other than what was listed above. The closest thing I have to seeing this in real life was the small hallway at the Boston Aquarium back in the 90s. I grew up in Massachusetts, but seeing this real life hallway was after I had those dreams. Oh. And it wasn't an endless hallway. I haven't had any dreams like this as an adult, but your episode brought back all the memories of this recurring dream. No clue what it means, but maybe I'm haunted? (laughs) I also wanted to share... That I relate to Sabrina's experience of having incredibly vivid dreams and recently remembered some strange dreams that I would have as a kid whenever I was sick. Knock on wood, I haven't had these dreams as an adult. Not sure if they were paranormal or not, but they occurred whenever I had a fever. Hmm. I would lay in bed trying to fall asleep and my bedroom, only lit with a nightlight, began to shrink with a light pulsing in my ear. Like my blood pressure might have been high. And I would fall into these dreams that were solely black and white and seemed to be biblical in nature. Oh, oh. I don't consider myself a Christian. Definitely witchy. I would probably have a hashtag religious trauma. (laughs) Same. Yeah. I remembered the biblical themes, but I could never remember the specifics of those dreams when I was awake. I believe those dreams would end when the fever broke. Another instance that makes me think that I got supernatural connections is that I used to sleepwalk and sleep talk (laughs) incessantly, usually just mumbling. I had a bad habit of falling asleep while reading books and not turning off my light. My mother came in once when I was in middle school years, and I apparently shot up in bed, eyes opened and bloodshot, and said very clearly, Mary, Mary, warlock. And then I fell back asleep on my mattress, and the rest of my sleep talking continued to be mumbles. My mother asks me the next day, who is Mary Warlock? I was completely confused. I told my mother I had no idea. But after she shared the story from the previous night, I was glad that she told me. When I was an infant, I would start wailing between 6 to 7 p.m. at night, and it would happen for that hour, and it would last for weeks. My parents couldn't call me, so my grandfather tried his best to help by laying head-to-head with me so I could feel his head touching my head. But I wasn't ripping out his beard like I would be if I was face-to-face with him. (laughs) Apparently, I would not calm down unless my grandfather did this little ritual. The pediatrician said it's often called the witching hour and happens to some babies. Am I haunted? Am I unaware of some secret destiny? (gasps) I am not sure. I've always felt like I'm an older soul. I've always been told I'm empathetic and I have good energy. I have a past life dream that I would love to share, but I realize this email is already getting a bit long. And just want to say how grateful I am for your podcast. And I love your content and your personalities. As many people have already said, I truly feel connected to you as you share these stories and share the stories of other listeners. I feel like you're doing wonderful work. (laughs) Keep doing what you do. And thank you both again. P.S. Sabrina, you have been on my mind and I hope you're doing well. Personally, I've been off and on doing some shadow work over the last few years. And I recognize that I seem to have a connection to the magical world but I've been scared of it at the same time. This also seems to relate to my fear of finishing my memoir and the possible publishing consequences. 
shadow work can bring up so much. Yeah. I know you've talked about healing and I just wanted to let you know I'm thinking of you and know that in these journeys, as wild as they may seem at times, no matter how tough things have been, no matter what, you've got this. Much love to you both, Alicia. That's really nice, Alicia. Thank you. And I agree. I I think healing is a really, really beautiful thing, despite how difficult it is to reflect on tougher parts of your life. But healing is beautiful. Yes. Well, and Alicia is so similar to you, I feel like, in that so much happens in dreams. So many things are occurring that like feels like a dream, but maybe it's not a dream. Were you sleepwalking? Did you think you were sleepwalking, but really you were awake and seeing light and dark figures fighting over your sister? Like, Who is Mary Warlock? It's such a blur. Who was Mary Warlock? I also feel like, Alicia, you shared so many experiences that to me it is very obvious that Alicia is connected to the other side. Mm-hmm. Like from clear audience to astral projection to speaking with other spirits in her sleep. Um, I don't know. I also, it's interesting, like, you know, fever dreams are, are a real thing, but I also have this, and maybe we've talked about this before, but when you're sick, you're technically closer to death. Like your body mm-hmm. is fighting for survival. So there's an element of your soul maybe being closer to the other side. So when you're sick and if you technically or typically have paranormal encounters while you're sleeping and you're sick, perhaps it's heightened at that moment. Yeah. And it's just the vulnerability of being sick too, right? Like maybe you unintentionally open yourself up a lot more. Right. And fever dreams. I mean, fevers kill people. Like it's a fever gets you even closer to death. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it is interesting. I also I'm so curious about this baby thing where babies will have like the witching hour where where there will be a period that will consistently make them fussy or be awake. Yeah. And I understand obviously like circadian rhythm and people like babies get sleep trained and all that stuff. And so they have a lot of periods where they're on and off and, and it's relatively consistent, hopefully, for parents. Yeah. But at the same time, part of me is like, What's going on? Is this on? a thing that happens to some babies because some babies live in haunted houses? And they're just suddenly aware and seeing the activity that happens every single day or every single night at the same hour. It's hard to know. Babies in the residual hauntings. Also, what is this? We don't know. Back rooms thing because the velvet, do you know the aquarium that Alicia's talking about? Ugh. Yeah, I walk by it all the time, but I haven't been in it in a very long time. So I don't remember any red velvet. Yeah. I probably haven't been there since the 90s, just like Alicia okay. or early 2000s, maybe. Because now I'm trying to like visualize how similar it was to this all velvet, um, like velvet on the ceiling. It does remind me of back rooms, like yeah. how long and never ending and feeling trapped. And just yeah, velvet on the ceiling, it just feels like very musty, very like heavy, very... I don't know. It also makes me wonder, not to make a sad connection to something, but Alicia did grow up in not the past lives. You have to still be living in the same place that maybe you previously had lived. But it's making me think of the Coconut Grove fire here in Boston Mm. and how there was so much velvet and drapery on ceilings and how it was such a winding building and that people had a really hard time escaping and, and everything was so narrow and there were so many hallways and It was horrifying and awful and so many horrible deaths. Right. It makes me wonder if this is like a past trauma, like of her life. Maybe she had lived that. And so she keeps seeing basically like a dream version of what she had been trying to escape. Can I give a more positive uh, version or option? (laughs) Please. So Alicia has a lot of access to the paranormal plane in 
her dreams. So what if Mm -hmm. we all have a version of this long velvet hallway? And it's basically the transition between this side and the other side. And it's like before your body or before your soul fully traverses the astral plane, it goes through this long hallway. Mm. It's your little portal to the other side. Yeah. Everybody's is decorated different. Everybody's looks a little different. Yeah. Now I want to see my portal. (laughs) One day you will. One day you will. One day. I like that twist. That's a that's a great one. Thank you. Because everybody's tethered to the other side somehow. Yeah. Through their soul, through things we don't quite understand yet. Like some people like dream. I say yeah, because I feel like we'll we'll crack the paranormal code during our lifetime. Yeah. People will totally understand. I think. I think so too. Hopefully. I hope so. If not, when I die, I will bring the answers back to someone. Yeah. Depending on my we'll age. We'll come back. We'll come back. Check out our new podcast in the year um, 2400. Wow, we're living and for a long time. Well, we're going to come back. Oh, we're, I we're thought not living. We're I, not. I thought we we're going to be ghosts doing a podcast. Oh, I mean, we could. I was thinking like we try really hard to remember our previous lives and mm. then we come back and then we pick up the podcast again. That would be a really cool movie of like someone who leaves a trail of breadcrumbs to be able to find their past life in their next life. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really trippy because then, then it's like the understanding you'd have to understand in your previous life or or hope that your future self could travel back. You would need to have enough notoriety in your current life that you would go like your history would continue through into the future. Kind of like how Walt Disney froze himself to come back in the future. Right. And he did well, cryogenics. But like, for example, Walt Disney, everyone knows about. If Walt Disney left behind clues to his soul, and so if he's reincarnated, his reincarnated soul can learn, oh, that's me. It's very mm. complex. I do not know. It is. That is one thing. And then the mind is such a powerful trippy thing too it's like it's one of those things where it makes me question my own reality sometimes where i'm like am i making up this pattern am i making up my connection and feeling to this or is this something that was planted here for me do i feel this way because it's authentic or do i feel this way because i've conjured up some chemicals in my brain to trick myself into this because we all like our brains want to see patterns and things so i feel like we associate things that may not have associations or are we influenced by external sources too? It's just it's it's hard to know. It the is. mind is strange. Okay, I have a story. It's a bit on the longer side. It is from our listener Andrea, and it's pronunciation. <laughs> on Andrea was the pronunciation. It is called "Something Won't Stop Following Me." Mm. Okay, something won't stop following me. Hi, ladies. I've been listening to your podcast for about a month now, and I love it. My entire life, I've felt a connection to the paranormal, but when I discuss it with others, they usually look at me like I'm crazy or like I'm making it up. Some prefer to not listen to it all because they feel like it's too scary. Specifically, when I describe the part about the shadow that follows me or the it that follows me, I think it's amazing that you guys have created a safe space for people to talk about these things. I have plenty of stories, some light, some dark, and some that are just random, but today I'm going to be sharing my darkest ones. So let's get into it. This is going to be very long, but I promise it's worth reading all of it. I'd like to add that I'm going to be treating this as a journal slash diary entry, so it's going to be very informal and the grammar is going to suck. Totally get it. 
Thank you. I love that. We've asked for people. We're like, use your email chain to us as your paranormal diary. Dear diary, today I was haunted by a demon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love when people experience things and then immediately email us. Like the first thing they do is, I got to email two girls, one ghost. Palms are sweaty. They're just typing away on the keyboard. Like, <sighs> it's good to process. I feel it over my shoulder still. Process it. Yes. Also, as a side note, there is a lot of sound coming perhaps from my side. I think a neighbor is moving. I do not know. If you hear things, it is not uh, an EVP or maybe, maybe there's EVPs hidden amongst the, the noise. I guess it, yeah, it depends on what's being said. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, just as a note. Okay. Andrea says, I've always been a very vivid dreamer. I actually used to be able to perform astral projection in my dreams, but I think I implicitly stopped due to the reasons I'm going to share today. So on one night, when my family and I still lived at our old house, I was having an astral projection dream. I was about 11 or 12 at the time. I had just gotten out of bed and was looking at myself asleep. I was getting ready to go walk around, which is what I would normally do when I was astral traveling. When I looked over to my right side, I saw two very pale kids. It was a boy and a girl. I remember thinking their clothes looked kind of weird because they were very old looking And again, Uh uh-oh, black-eyed kids. They were also super, super pale. I looked at them obviously confused because uh, why were there two kids in my room? And at the exact same time, they looked at me and in unison said, it's coming for you. No! (laughs) Confused, I was like, what do you mean? What is coming for me? And then... In unison, again, they both point their arms at a corner in my ceiling that was towards the entrance in my room. All of a sudden, a gray shadowy mist starts forming in that corner and I run out of my room and into my parents' room, which was right next to mine. I opened the door to their room and my parents were in there and I started yelling at them saying, I need their help because something is chasing me and coming for me. My mom and stepdad both looked at me terrified and my mom says, We can't help you because if we help you, it'll come after us too. And then I woke up. I was back in my body. I was terrified. After listening to your Black Eyed Children episode, I was like, what if that was what was in my dream, especially because Mm. there was a shadow figure that started forming in the ceiling? It's so terrifying. It's so terrifying. Well, and that, I mean, the thing with Black Eyed Kids is we don't know what they are. They're some sort of paranormal being, but we don't know where they are, what their bounds are, how they can exist. We just know that they're trying to be let in. And with them comes darkness and death and terror. And so I think it does make sense that they're there and they're trying to like... It's coming I don't know if heed the warning is really even the right way. It feels like they're trying to instill terror. I also feel like it's a warning. Like these two children have been taken by whatever the shadow figure is. And they are warning like it's coming for you too. But then what? the other thing that's so wild to me is that Andrea went into their parents' bedroom in their astral self and woke the parents up. So was it the astral beings of Andrea's parents? I know. That's so weird. Or is this some sort of doppelganger situation? Or like Coraline? Or like the whole dream is, yeah, constructed. I don't know. Oh, it just makes me think of the dream people in the dream space that control your dreams. And like, who are they? What are they? Ah. Yeah, there's a darkness. How here. scary, though, especially because Andrea was used to actual projecting, right? Yeah. 
They were like, oh, common. I'm just going to do my regular thing, walk around my room, do whatever. Yeah. Like, this isn't a scary experience for me. I do this all the time. And then for all of this to happen. And it doesn't end. That's terrifying. There's so much more. And you're so vulnerable in your astral state. And there's a lot more. Okay. Another story that has to deal with what I feel is the same shadow would be the night I spent at my cousin's house. I want to say I was around 11 again, but I honestly don't remember my exact age. I would have been 12 or younger. So I spent the night at my cousin's house. My cousin, who we will call Angie, is four years younger than me, and her brother, who we will call Oscar, is six years younger than me. Since it was a sleepover, Angie, Oscar, and I had been playing with their toys and just having fun. They shared a room, so when we went to bed, Angie went to her bed, and Oscar and I slept in his. He was like five or six at the time, and I felt like Angie and I didn't fit in her bed anymore because they were both twin-sized beds. Angie's bed was on the left side, and Oscar's bed was on the right side. In between their beds was a nightstand. I'm picturing the bedroom uh, of the twins in Haunting of Hill House when they're young. Oh, yes. So we go to sleep, and at some point in the night, I wake up. I'm a really light sleeper and I wake up to the smallest noise and I sit up and right in front of me is Oscar. He was like a foot away from me on the left side of the bed, just staring at me. I could see him so vividly because my cousins used to live in a trailer park. So there was light coming in through the windows from the light posts. But here's the thing. Oscar was also lying right next to me, sleeping in the bed at the same time as he's sitting, staring at me in front of me. Mm. Too many doppelganger like creatures yes. and spirits in this email for me, for my liking. Then I realized that the Oscar standing next to me was not the real Oscar at all because I could feel the warmth from my cousin's body as he was sleeping next to me. And the more I looked at the other Oscar, I realized he looked like a shadow version of my cousin. He was gray and just looked dark, but he was wearing the exact same pajamas as Oscar. Ugh. They were... But isn't that the thing with doppelgangers? They look just slightly off. Yeah. You really have to look at them to understand what's wrong. The pajamas were blue with yellow construction trucks all over them. He gave me such a bad feeling. One can argue that anyone would be scared if they woke up in the middle of the night to find their five-year-old unhinged cousin just staring at them, which is true. But the moment I opened my eyes and saw him, it gave me a bad feeling. Not like a jump scare feeling, but more like it wanted me to look at it feeling. So it was just standing there waiting for me to wake up and look at it. At that point, I just closed my eyes so tight and hugged my actual cousin. I was so scared, but I kept repeating to myself that this wasn't real. And eventually I fell asleep again. Might I add that this all happened in the process of like 45 seconds. The next day, I talked about it with my family, but they all told me I was dreaming, but I know I wasn't. I was wide awake. Fast forward a few years. I'm 16, and we are at my new house. I still had dark things happen to me between the years, but not as dark as this. This was my first sleep paralysis experience. At the time, I had no idea what sleep paralysis was, and I had never even heard of it. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I wasn't able to move. At first, I wasn't really scared. I was just wondering why I can't move. All I could do was blink. And all of a sudden, I felt something sit on my chest. It then started choking me and I couldn't breathe. I felt every single cold finger as they wrapped around my neck. And the worst part is that I could feel the hot breath on my face of whatever was choking me. I don't know how long I laid there 
with it choking me, but I could feel it breathing on my face the entire time. It could have been 15 seconds or it could have been 30, but it felt like forever. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it stopped. I jumped off my bed the moment that I could and ran out of my room. I didn't wake up anybody in my family because I figured they were just going to tell me I was crazy. So I eventually went back to bed and just cried the entire night until I fell asleep. Oh, that hurts my heart. There was another night where I had another astral projection dream. I had just fallen asleep and or, you know, woken up in my dream and the room was dark because it was nighttime. I was in my bed, but my mom was in this as well. She was sitting in a chair I had in the corner of my room at the end of my bed. She was just sitting there staring at me, but she had what looked like blood all over her clothes. I looked at her and I was like, mom, what's going on? And all she says is, it's right behind you. It wants you to look at it. I was so scared because I knew exactly what she was talking about. I knew it that the shadow or whatever it was, was right behind me when she said that. I could feel it looking at me and waiting for me to turn no! around. I was just oh. looking at my mom and I said, no. Then she gets up out of the chair and lays down on her right side of her body at the left side of my bed. She was right next to me, staring at me the entire time. She lays there for three seconds with her eyes closed, and then a smile appears on her face. Her eyes are still closed as she's laying next to me, and she says, it's going to get you eventually, and then I woke up. God, this reminds me so much of Insidious. It's so creepy where it's like you're in the dream space, you're astral projecting, but there's something demonic, there's something evil That's encroaching on your body, on your being. And it's getting closer and closer. And it's using these visual representations of people that are close to you. Oscar, Andrea's cousin, now Andrea's mom. Mm -hmm. And and it's so ominous. Like these people you trust and love in your in your everyday waking life are now ominous and terrifying and threatening and warning you of something really, really dark. It follows that movie always comes back. Because that's exactly what they made the monster out to be. It could morph into anything. anybody, the people that are closest to you, your neighbor, your boyfriend, your mom. Yes. Fast forward again a couple of years later. I was 18 and in my dorm room. I woke up again and was not able to move when all of a sudden, again, I felt something sitting on me. But this time, it did not choke me. I just felt it sitting on me. And I could hear voices and footsteps all around me, but I couldn't make out what the voices were saying. They were very low, and since it was multiple voices, they were all just talking over each other. When I could finally move, I grabbed my phone, and it was 3.30 in the morning. I messaged my friend, who I knew was going to be awake, and he came to my dorm. I explained to him what had happened, and he told me it sounded like I had sleep paralysis, and that's when I finally learned what sleep paralysis was. We're fast forwarding again in the year is 2020. I'm now 21. My best friend slash roommate had passed away in our house and I had been staying at my boyfriend's house for a month while I figured out a new living situation. So sad. That night I was having a dream. I was in bed, but I wasn't in my room. The room was dark because the lights were off, but there was light coming in from under the door. It felt like a dream that was in the future. I could hear my boyfriend and his mom arguing about me. I sat up and I was trying to listen in on the conversation from the bed. There was a closet next to the right side of the bed. So anyway, I'm listening to this conversation when all of a sudden I hear a low growl literally right next to my ear. The only way I can describe the sound is like a growl mixed with the sound of the grudge girl from the movie. (laughs) 
I don't know. Is it something like that? It was coming from the closet, but I knew that it was actually right next to me. You know in the movies when they say you're so scared that you're frozen? Well, that was me. Mm -hmm. I was so scared I literally couldn't move. It was the first time I'd ever felt fear like that. All of the other times besides sleep paralysis, I chose not to move or to look at it. There was no fight or flight in this moment. Just freeze. After about five seconds, I finally start thinking, you need to move or you need to do something or it's going to touch you, but I couldn't. I tried making a sound, but it came out as a little yelp. And then I was able to yell a bit louder and I eventually screamed, get away from me. I just started straight up screaming in my dream and I didn't realize I had woken up from my dream. I was actually awake screaming in real life, but the lights were off in the room and I felt it there. It was- <gasps> no, I'm so scared for Andrea I know. here. It was about 5 a.m. and my boyfriend had gotten out of bed to go to work, so he was in the bathroom. Next thing I know, I'm just sitting there in bed screaming in the real life, and he runs into the room, turns the lights on real fast, runs to me as I'm screaming. I told him what happened, and eventually I fell back to sleep. How? I also, what was his reaction? I'm so curious. And did it truly leave that night? Uh, No, because... Did it lurk? The year is now 2022, and I'm now 23. Six days ago, I had another experience. My boyfriend and I were taking a nap, and he woke up while it was still light out. He woke me up in the process of getting out of bed, and I asked him to leave the door ajar because I had just felt really uneasy in our bedroom. In particular, I felt like it had been watching me for the last two weeks. I went back to sleep, but I fell asleep lying on my left side, which would have had me facing the wall and the window. At some point, I woke up because I felt it there with me. Then I felt something leaning on my body. Since I was lying on my left side, it had its left hand leaning on my right arm and right hand leaning on my waist. I don't know if that makes sense, but basically it was leaning on my right side since I was laying on my left. I opened my eyes again and looked at the wall and window just to make sure that I wasn't dreaming and that I was awake. Because after it touched me, it felt like my body was losing energy. Like I still had control of my Mm. body, but like it was in a trance. After I opened my eyes to make sure I was awake, I squeezed them shut because I knew it wanted me to look at it. Anyway, this wasn't a dream, so it was easier for me to react. I didn't want to yell because I didn't know what would happen if my boyfriend would walk in. So in my head, I just said, I only attract light and positive energy. That's when it got angry and pressed down on me even more and even harder and whispered into my ear. The first few words it said were in English, but the words sounded jumbled together, so it was hard to articulate what it was saying. The whisper sounded more like a snake and was really low, reminded me of parcel tongue. After it pushed down on me, I said, you are not welcome here in my head. Then it pressed down on me a second time and whispered in my ear for a second time. So I just repeated in my head, I only attract light and positivity. You are not welcome here or anywhere around me. Then I felt it move its hands off of me and it was gone. I didn't feel it for two days, but I still feel it watching me, especially in my room. Ooh, these are not the only stories I have had with it. I've had so many, but I just said the scarier ones. I'm now 23 and whatever it has, has not let go of me, but I'm not as scared of it anymore. I just got so tired of being scared of it. I have plenty of dreams where I've even tried to fight it. I don't know why it wants me to look at it so bad, though, because I've definitely seen it before. It's a black, gray shadow person. Unless whatever it is wants me to look at is something else. Anyway, 
I hope you uh, enjoy this story. Please let me know your thoughts, comments, and concerns, which, <laughs> Andrea, we have a lot. The, we're pretty concerned. <laughs> See you on the other side, Andrea. Andrea, you're being haunted. Since five years Something. old. Since five. Yes. Yes. Why? Why are you marked? What is this thing and why does it only – it would be one thing if it's like in a particular house, right? Or like in one geographical location. Right. But it continues to move with Andrea despite where they go, despite who they live with, despite – Anything. What they say. Yeah. To, to banish it, to protect themselves. And yet it's still there. It's waiting. It's lurking. It's getting closer and closer and closer. It's now touched, Andrea, whispered. Yeah. I'm curious, Andrea, if the times that Andrea has seen or looked at this entity was were in, have been in dreams or in real life because perhaps it needs Andrea mm-hmm. to look at it in waking real life. Oh, interesting. Like it mostly exists in the dream plane or at least that's yeah the strength that Andrea has to astral project and to move about in the astral world and the dream plane more. But in person, I don't know. It's so hard because it's like, is is the feeling the hot breath behind the back? Is the feeling the arm on the shoulder and the hand on the hip? Is that happening in the dream or is that happening in real life or is it both? You know, like sleep paralysis, it's kind of both. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I I like hate all of these like familial spirits that aren't well, clearly aren't mm-hmm. family members but even like the little kids that were in Andrea's room when they were 5 saying it's coming for you um and Andrea's mom being like it will get you eventually it's like yeah. what are these are they spirits that this entity has collected over time and is manipulating to appear in certain ways is it the entity itself like offshooting I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We don't. We have no answers. No, we do not. We're so sorry. <laughs> I feel like I know Andrea said that they have a lot more experiences with this entity. So I, I want uh, more. I want more information. Yeah, keep us updated too, because we're going to be thinking about you, and we hope that this isn't. There's no possession. I know. I know. In your future, I know. We want updates that you're okay. Yeah, please. And it better be written in the way that you wrote the last ones or else we're going to be real suspicious that something's <laughs> taken you over and is emailing us. Honestly, I want every, like th- this is a call to action for everyone is if you've emailed us in the past and there are updates, send us an email that says update on my previous email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Send it in the same thread. So then we can really just check in on you and make sure everything is okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I have I have one to end us on and it's maybe maybe kind of almost related to the one that you just read from Andrea because it also has to do with the shadow figure. Lovely. It is called The Shadow Figure Who Crashed My 12th Birthday Party. How rude. (laughs) First, thank you so much for the podcast. Been listening to the podcast for years now and wanted to send in a story of an unexpected guest at my B-Day party. Some background info. I live in Sydney, Australia, and I have lived in two haunted houses. This story is from the first haunted house that I lived in. As it has been said many times on the podcast, moving into a new house doesn't mean it's not haunted. My parents spent three years building the house of their dreams. Three stories tall with a beautiful view of the local river. It was brand new, and after years of building, we were so excited to move in. The first two levels of the house were warm, but that changed when we would go into the bottom of the house. The bottom was divided into two sections, a large play space for us kids, 
and then a guest area with a bathroom and storage. The play area was amazing, but as soon as you turned the corner into the guest area, the energy changed. You would feel like someone was watching you. It was unnaturally dark, Mm. and it gave off the worst vibes even in the middle of the day. My brother, sister, and I avoided that area at all costs. If any toys were put in the cupboards in the guest area, they were lost to us. This reminds me so much of the basement that I grew up in because there was a guest room in my basement that it felt so off. Oh, so you just avoided it. Yeah, it was terrifying. I, I almost forgot that we had that room. That's how much we avoided it. Blocked it out of your yeah. memory. Until now. Until now. Thanks, Laura. Until we were reminded. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Now on to the story. So fast forward a couple years and it is my 12th birthday. I wanted to have a slumber party with all of my friends. Of course, being 12, our task was to try to stay up until the sunrise. The night started off fine with all of us jumping on mattresses, having way too much sugar. And around midnight, one of my friends wanted to play the game that they heard of called Bloody Mary. Yep, Bloody Mary. And of course, the majority of us wanted to try. I was terrified. (laughs) First of the creepy area that was being played in and second of the ghost showing up in my mirror. I didn't want to be left alone, so I went into the bathroom with them. My friends went into the guest bathroom and started to call out to Mary. Nothing happened and I was super relieved that no horrible bloody ghost showed up for now. Since we were a large number of people and felt safer in a pack, we decided to take over the guest room. We trashed it a bit because we were 12 and just having some fun. And time flies by and it's close to 3 a.m. We were getting close to our mission of staying up all night and I needed to go to the bathroom. Oh no. I walk out of the guest room into the hallway and I go to the end of the hallway. I am frozen. I know this feeling and I can feel the shadow glaring at me. Straight away, I know that we have pissed it off. My stomach drops and the air all around me becomes as cold as ice. Within the few seconds of locking eyes with the figure, it starts to sprint at (gasps) me. No. Terrified. I scream bloody murder. Somehow I was able to open the door and to get back inside the guest room and then lock the door. All of my friends are worried because I screamed and looked pale as a sheet. And somehow my parents did not hear me. Thanks, parentals. (laughs) And I tell them what I had seen. And some were excited that the experiment with Bloody Mary worked. They have summoned a ghost. They look down the hallway and they see nothing. Everyone could see that I was super scared, so decided to end the mission to stay up until dawn and to go to sleep instead. Huddled together like sheep, with myself in the middle, they walked me down the hallway into the playroom with all of the mattresses. I pass out immediately. I guess the shadow figure has succeeded in its mission to get the rowdy kids to get the hell out of its space and to go to sleep. Morning arrived and the party was over. For the next week at school, all everyone can talk about was how we summoned a ghost (laughs) and how I saw it. (laughs) Everyone in the year wanted to come see it at my house, but I was like, heck no, never again. (laughs) I knew I'd pissed it off and I never wanted to do that again. Within the next year, we moved due to changing schools and moved into our second haunted house, which I have much nicer stories about. Eventually, a family bought the house whose kids went into the same primary school that I did all those years ago. Because of being in a suburban area, all the parents talk and we found out that the story was still being told about that night. Oh my god. The new family in the house have admitted something creepy is in the bottom of the house, but they haven't seen anything. So that's the story of the shadow figure at my birthday party. Or or more, a story that tells you don't piss off a shadow figure during your birthday party. 
Hope this hasn't spooked you both too much and hope you have a wonderful 2022, now 2023. Can't wait for more episodes on both Two Girls, One Ghost and Campfire Stories. We're hoping to get Campfire Stories up again. Yes, Love, we are. Laura. Um, okay, I love that Laura has become like an urban legend at this primary school. Uh, and became more popular from having I a ghost know. in her house. How great is that? Great, but terrifying. Poor Laura had to be like traumatized in order to experience this like infamy i know it it ran at her sprinted at her it's kind of like your story alone in the hallway yeah i know that's horrifying i know how scary that is and <laughs> and it sounds like laura while she had experienced an encounter and in many encounters or feelings of this shadow person especially because the way she described it is like she knew that feeling she knew it was staring at her it's mm-hmm. one thing to have those experiences but for it to escalate to this point yeah, it's clearly like you pissed me off. I'm gonna I'm gonna come at you. Literally. Right. And it's not like it showed itself to the collective group of yeah. girls. It waited specifically for Laura, for the one that knew it was already there, for the one that would be most terrified of it, for the one that it could continue to intimidate for years to come. Luckily it was only one year. Yeah. But it chose Laura. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Laura. Uh I know. But now, sorry, but, you know, also congrats on having the coolest freaking 12th birthday party ever. And thank you for sharing this story. I mean, selfishly, we're glad that uh, you're, you know, live to tell the tale and uh, share it with us and the rest of our listeners. And also, I'm sure so many people like you, Corinne, had experiences just like this. And it's nice to know that we're not alone. Mm -hmm. And there's a place that's safe to talk about them and share them. And it's here on Two Girls, One Ghost. So email us any encounters that you've ever had with the paranormal, the macabre, cryptids, all that jazz at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. And you can also tell everybody about yes. us. Rate and review us on iTunes. Join the pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. Get lost in the triangle. All of our triangle based uh mottos, phrases, whatever you it's a cult, <laughs> so join it, okay? We're Get trying to hear. We're very upfront about it. So that's good. Forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's the most transparent cult you'll ever be a part of with the most self-conscious leaders that you'll ever meet. Yes. Uh, So thank you to all of you for listening to us. Thank you for joining us along this journey. Thank you for sharing your paranormal experiences. And thank you to our editors, the entire team at Upfire Digital. Very grateful. Thank you. And we will see you on the the other other side. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.